Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. It is a beautiful day outside, guys. Jeez Louise. The tree is still dead that we had a moment of silence for last week. But it is not excruciatingly cold anymore. We are happy. We are well. I am joined by everyone's favorite priest, Father Anthony Sharapa, as my co-host today. What's up, Padre? Hello. So there's a story that you shared on Twitter today that I thought Mm -hmm. was fascinating. And this was an interesting life of a priest moment. Why don't you explain to our audience uh, what you did on Saturday and why it was cool? Yeah, so Saturday, I celebrated five different sacraments. What? Yeah, I know. So a lot of times you hear these priest stories about, like, you know, you can do anything from having a funeral one day and the same day have a wedding and stuff. So that usually doesn't happen to me. But this Saturday, just everything worked out where I did a little bit of everything. So I had confessions on Saturday, as per the usual. And then interestingly enough, I wanted to check the Sunday mass schedule because I'm terrible at schedules. I want to make sure what was in my phone was what was going to happen in reality. I saw all of a sudden, oh, look, hey, I have a wedding that I kind of forgot about. So I jumped into that and did the wedding. Everything went well. I hope they're not listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. So everything went well. I'm very good at weddings. Then we had, um, you know, mass, Sunday mass. Then we had baptism, which happened on a Saturday. That's the first Saturday baptism I've ever done. And it was beautiful, lovely. And after that, I got a call to go to the hospital to anoint someone. So at the end of the day, I had done five different sacraments. I'm very, so pr- a, I'm very proud yeah. of you. Like you did five wow. sacraments, and in telling that story, you said the word Saturday, I believe, about five times. That was awesome. Nice. <laughs> so uh, you tweeted that out today, and I responded by saying, like, I was racking my brain. I was like, wait, didn't I play video games with you on Saturday? And the answer was yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, I mean, it was a long day, and you know, finished the day with some video games. Just, just. I in- prayed in the morning, so just so you know, I did pray. I had my holy hour in the morning. That's right in the morning. Well, I mean, you also like prayed at mass, and I would imagine since you were That's kind true. of in charge of it, that pretty much counts. Yeah. <laughs> that counts. So. I, I do think the mass as the uh, source and summit of our faith. I believe that counts as prayer. So. Yeah, it better. <laughs> it better. Okay, so uh, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. That happened since we last talked. Oh yeah, right back at you. Uh, so over Thanksgiving break, went and hung out with the in-laws. I got to see my parents or my mom and my sisters as well. We went to the like children's museum with our kids. Oh, it was phenomenal. So much fun. The day before Thanksgiving, I got some news that uh, made me extra thankful for the season. Um, friends, family, listeners, strangers, I want everyone to know that this isn't just the normal Forte Catholic podcast and, and radio show that you are listening to. Ooh. This is the Forte Catholic show that is nominated for podcast of the year. From the Fisher's Net Awards, dude. I was blown away. I know, exactly. We're all cheering. It's all very exciting. I I couldn't believe it, dude. So I I saw, like, I I knew about the nominations, and then I saw that, uh, like, the nominations were closed and that voting was opened. And I was like, oh, I didn't get, like, an email or anything. Like, I I guess I didn't get nominated this year. Like, that stinks. And then I I go to vote to see, like, who got nominated. There's a bunch of great Catholic podcasts out there. Um, And I click on, like, go vote 
on on the podcast. They have categories like best podcast, best branding, best website, best YouTube channel, that sort of stuff. I click on vote for best podcast, and the first thing I see is my face pop up. <laughs> I'm like, hey. wait, I was nominated and no one told me. I'm really, really excited about it. So how this works is like, you know how like in the US, like you can win the popular vote, but not win the electoral college vote? So I'm glad you know that. I realized that was kind of a, a, a pandering question as I was asking. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the well, Electoral College, Father, or did you just learn about theology? <laughs> I went to school. I went to high school. I know things, too. I, I apologize for that for some reason. <laughs> I didn't realize until after I said it that it was offensive, which is like most of the things that I say. Okay. Uh, so only half the offensive things I say are on purpose. So uh, at one point... I was in the top three in voting and you need to be how this, how this works. is kind of like the electoral college, uh, similar. I, I was in high school, but it was a long time ago. So if you were in the top three of the nine podcasts that are nominated, that's who like their panel considers and they actually decide they take into consideration the votes, but you got it in the top three. So at one point, I was in third place. I was really excited. I was like, wow, I have a lot of hope. Like, this is very, very cool. This would be awesome. And then uh, Patrick Coffin and Matt Frad tweeted out about it. Oh. I'm not in third anymore. (laughs) What a shame. So those guys, I think, have like 180,000 followers combined or something ridiculous. Um, So I'm not. Go ahead. You sounded surprised that you got nominated. But when I found out, I wasn't surprised at all. Because after all, in the past year, you've had me on the podcast twice. And I've hosted once. And I'm back again. Of course, you're going to be nominated for Best Podcast of the Year. And, and How else could that have done? Here's the thing. I was actually going to – I was going to wrap around to that because okay. I, I was never – I want to get right to it. I, I was the important part. <laughs> I was never nominated for an award until I announced that you were a co-host. <laughs> Oh, there you go. I think. Uh, And I also thought it was interesting. We have to throw some shade. You are on another podcast. We have to throw some shade at your co-host over on Clerically Speaking. Uh, Yeah. Y'all were not nominated. I'm pretty sure y'all are going to win next year. I'm actually glad that I'm not going up against you guys because then it would be like the three big people, like all in one, like Patrick (laughs) Coffin, Matt Fred, and and the priest combined power. Um, Right. But uh, Father Harrison has not been nominated. You have been nominated because you're a co-host and have been a guest on this show. So congratulations. Yes. I will make sure to remind him of that constantly. (laughs) Please do. Please do. So, uh, here's the deal. The big dogs have, have gotten their tweets and Instagram posts and Facebook's out. There's no way I'm getting first or second. There is a small chance I can squeeze into third place. So here's what I need everybody listening to do. I need everybody to go to ForteCatholic.com slash vote. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com slash vote. If you are driving in your car right now, uh, listening to your radio, this is important enough to to me. <laughs> so I may yes. not be important to you, but it is important to me. It would it would just be really cool um, to get third. Now that's a that's a long shot. I'm only percentage points away from our frenemies over at the Roman Circus Podcast, who are also nominated. Congratulations to them. I'm only like decimal points behind them. I, I desperately want to defeat them. Uh, we, I've already defeated them once in, in uh, the race to 1,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I don't want them to have something that they beat me in. So go vote. <laughs> Help us out. F-O-R-T-E-Catholic.com 
slash vote. Help us to get a bronze medal. All right. Father Anthony. Yes. Last week, uh, Sean McAfee was was the co-host. And Thaddeus Romanski was helping uh, uh, to produce and then became a hilarious part of the show. The third yes. segment, I even introduced the third segment. As been t- I went to St. Louis two weeks ago. I was going to talk about this session, uh, essentially like about God giving us two sides of our brain and how we only use one a lot, especially in leadership, but also like in our relationships. And I set all of that up. And then for like 16 of the 18 minutes of that last segment last week, all the three of us did was like argue, make fun of each other, laugh. Like it became one of the silliest segments we've ever done. It was it was hilarious. We're talking about beautiful churches. Like that's where we went. But then like yes. l- everybody was just arguing about like history stuff. It, it, it became like the it most became chaos. It really yeah. was. It was a big mess. <laughs> you know, a good a good co-host would have kept that from happening. Would have kept you guys on track. Man, you are just throwing so much shade at Sean. <laughs> I love Sean. Yeah, we love Sean too. But it was it was fun this week having uh, you and him go at it a little bit because I pitted. Uh, Months ago, I pitted you and Father Jared Cook against each other, and now um, I didn't even have to start this. Like y'all started your own beef. It's it's so it's been so much fun. I might be too competitive when it comes to these things. I keep getting in beefs <laughs> with various people over the internet about who's the best at this silly thing, and I just keep getting involved. That uh, I don't know what that says about me. Have you ever done the uh, the what is it called the Strengths Finder test? I did. I had to do that for something. Something for my diocese. I had to do something that. for like seminary or priestly formation or something like that. Sure, yeah. So yeah. we took it, and I work in in youth ministry at Ablaze Ministries, and we have this like beautiful, loving staff. And then there's me um, on this strength finder test, <laughs> and I am like number one and two achiever and competitor. So I'm like constantly like competing with these people, and they're like, "Oh, I don't care if I win." It drives me insane because I just want to defeat somebody that wanted to win. So that's why right, I have friends fun. like you. You and like Sean, because then we can poke fun at each other when we defeat each other at things. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're about to run out of time in this segment. <laughs> so we've got to get to this. Okay. So I went to this. Um, if you didn't hear last week, I went to this conference called the National Youth Workers Convention in St. Louis, Missouri. I almost said St. Louis, Texas, because Texas is the greatest state. Why did I leave for a few days? <laughs> okay. Man, so man. do what? I just amen, amen. Your Texas is the greatest. State. Amen and amen. Do you need to transfer your diocesan status to come be a priest in Texas? <laughs> um, so I, this conference is amazing. Some of the greatest speakers in the world. Like this will just give you uh, just a little bit of insight. I went to this breakout session. Like most of the time, the breakout session are people that aren't like super popular, like me. Like I do a lot of breakout sessions. Like I'm not cool enough for the main stage, but they'll let me talk to like 50 people. You know, like that's safe. <laughs> You can talk to some people, but not too many. Right. So like, like, that's typically what happens at Catholic events. At this at this event, this is a non-denominational uh, run by Protestants event. And this is the quality of their breakout, guys. Uh, this guy, is his name's John Townsend. He's a doctor, uh, a psychiatrist. He started a university with like real degrees in psychology and theology and stuff. He's a, a New York times bestselling author. And like the best Catholics can do for their breakout <laughs> sessions is me, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that is how I start all of my talks, especially if it's coming like straight out of like adoration or something super holy. It's like, um, you know, now Taylor Stroll is going to come and, and share with us his testimony. And I just walk out. What's up? <laughs> like yelling and stuff. I'm just kidding. I don't just do that. Scream at people. Please hire me. ForteCatholic.com slash booking. Okay. So 
uh, he was talking about leading from your gut. And it was a, a session, obviously, on leadership. But I got a lot out of it uh, for like just friendships and relationships as well. Uh, because it's it's talking about how God gave us two sides of the brain. And so often in like the business world, I think a lot of times in the church, and I think a lot of times uh, also in leadership, which is what it was about, uh, we're only using or we're told to use the left side of our brain. I'm going to test you. Do you know what the left side of the brain does other than think? Um, uh, you took my answer. My answer is going to be think. <laughs> I, kn- I know you very well, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what does the right side do? It uh, thinks, but like on the more right side of the, the brain. Oh, man, I set you up for a great joke. For uh, for you, nothing. That was the joke. Anyway. Uh, oh, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> so the left side is like the intellect side. Like this is the side that is rational. It makes sense. Like I, I'm going just by like uh, just like the empirical evidence, right? The right side is passion, intuition, feelings. And a lot of times, I, I especially in leadership, but I think also times like when we go to church or like we go to mass, like we can't just get rid of one side of our brain. Mm-hmm. Like some people, I think, lean one way where it's like it's all about the intellect, like the mass is all about the rubrics and understanding transubstantiation and what's going on. And then for other people, it's like, I just want to feel close to God. Like that's the right side. I want, I want to be close to this community. Um and we've got to have both. Like, I, I think I tend more to the right side of the brain when it comes to faith stuff and relationship stuff. Um, what's your percentage of left and right, do you think, when it comes to your faith? I think probably mostly for me left, because that's easier. That way I don't have to deal with the emotional side. I can just figure out what I need to do and do it and say the right words. And it makes life less complicated for me. I think often I use left. Cool. So we've got a good balance here. Obviously, the whole point of this is that we want to use both and expand to be able to, you know, like apply both sides of our brain that God gave us to our relationships, to our faith, to going to mass, to uh, whatever we're doing. So he, he talked about like how in leadership, and then he was also talking about in faith as well, that uh, we're taught a lot to do the left side. Like I would imagine that a lot of your seminary formation, a lot of my like undergrad and grad school, grad school oh, yeah. uh, classes is all the left side. Um, and then I, th- I think what, why this session stuck out to me so much is that like intuition is a big deal. And that's a real right side of the brain type thing. So like my intuition, when it comes to faith, like what I should do, like when you go to adoration, it's like, what should I do now? I, I often trust my intuition because it's all that I have. Right. But, yeah. and even in relationships, it's like my intuition is to say this or to do this thing. But all these people at, at conferences or in talks or on radio shows, they're like, well, this is the proper way to do it with psychology and all that stuff. And I've always felt like some kind of conflict with that. It's like, you're telling me that my intuition is wrong, which obviously I can be wrong. But I'm not wrong all the time. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So he gave a definition of intuition that I really liked um, because I, a lot of my life is based off of intuition. Like the people that discern things for like 19 years, I'm like, I don't understand you. Like I made my decision 19 years ago. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> just do it. Just do it. <laughs> so his definition of intuition was an instant opinion formed by a thousand compressed experiences. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I have this instant opinion where it's like, okay, somebody says, oh, should we do this or do this for ministry? Or should we pray like this? Or should we pray like this? And I'm just like, this one. And they're like, how did you make that decision? I was like, you asked me a question, I answered it. Like, that's how conversation works. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was always uh, kind of confused about that. But um, he also talked a bit about emotional intelligence. How is the mm-hmm. the capacity to identify and manage yours and others' feelings on a scale of one to ten? How do you do that? Uh, a scale. Of, how do I do that? Like, how good are you at? How good is your emotional intelligence? When I'm not like making fun of you on a podcast, I'm actually very good at this. Like when I'm actually meeting with parishioners and stuff, and I'm doing the priest thing for realsies. Uh, this is actually at the forefront of my mind. <laughs> for realsies, not. when yeah. I'm doing the priest thing for realsies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You that... should hear me preach. You would love it. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it when we're making fun of each other. That's fun too. That's good too. That's good too. Uh, so essentially, this this was where it came down to the relationships thing. I thought about this a lot, like for my marriage, and a lot with like the people that I work with. Where he tells a story, like that was like perfect, like left brain, right brain, and it was two parents. So there's a daughter who falls into a well. Okay, very sad story. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, well, she's okay. She's in the bottom of the well, and the mom comes over and and says looks down the well and says, honey, you are strong. You are good. You are a great, you are a daughter of God. You are so powerful. Like you can do this. You can get out of that well. And then she walks away. It's like, wait, what? Oh. <laughs> you know, like yeah. doesn't help her. <laughs> and then the dad walks by. You know, she's, she's like, help, help. <laughs> and the dad walks by and he just jumps into the well. And the daughter's like, well, how are we going to get out? Like, you didn't bring, like, a rope or a, a shovel or anything? And he's like, he just holds her. Like, he gives her a hug. He's like, I don't know, honey, but, like, I'm here with you, and we're going to find a way out of this, right? So, like, those those were the and, – and, like, the guy asked the crowd, it's like, which one do you want? And almost everybody said the dad. Like, that feels right. And then it's sure. like, okay, so you're just going to be stuck down there. Like, there was no... There was no there's there's not a good answer here. Like, they're still stuck in the well. Like, hugs are nice. Don't get me wrong. Hugs are wonderful, but, like, you're stuck in a well. What's going on? I'm going to do a really weird, uh, really weird reference. Did you see Emperor's New Groove? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know how, like, the llama and the man, like, they're stuck somewhere and they have to climb up the mountain and they get, like, back to back and they climb up? That's oh a, yeah, yeah, that would be the only scenario where this would work. But it's a lot, oh, like, man. despite living your life like the Emperor's New Groove. Shout out to David Spade who listens every week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it when people laugh at my jokes. It makes me feel good. <laughs> despite that reality, like if you only using your left side and your right side of your brain, whether it comes to your faith or whether it comes to like your relationships. You're going to get messed up. Like, we've got to do both. You've got to be able to, like, hey, it's okay that you're in the well. Uh, It doesn't ruin you as a person. Like, I'm going to help you get out. I've got a rope here. Everything's going to be good. We're fine. And then you help them get out of the the well, and everybody's good, right? We've got to use both sides. So that was my thoughts on that. Any final, um, like, insights you have into this before we head over to break? It sounds like give people hugs, bring a rope. Yes, that is the new uh, tagline for the show. <laughs> so uh, give everybody, what did you say? Give people, give people hugs, but bring a rope. Give people hugs, but bring a rope. All right, guys, we will be right back for our second segment. We're going to be interviewing Michael Foley about drinking with St. Nicholas. What? Drinking on Catholic Radio? Yeah, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is Taylor Schroll. Today's co-host is Father Anthony Sharapa, and we are joined by Waco's very best, Michael P. Foley. Mike, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, you're just right up the road in Waco. We actually broadcast in Waco, so our, our Waco listeners are really going to enjoy this. That's fantastic. I mean, not that the other oh, listeners won't. I'm so sorry to imply that. Like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can walk down the street holding my head high. <laughs> so I got this email about this book that you had. I actually saw the book that you came out with like about a year or two ago, and I said, we have to do this, especially with Christmas coming down. We're going to talk about your book today, Drinking with St. Nick, Christmas Cocktails for Sinners and Saints. I could not think of a better thing to talk about today. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to get to know you a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. Uh, I got this dossier on you before, before you came on, and there were two things that really stuck out to me. Um, one for your book in particular, and then one just random like joke that I think was, was just perfectly placed. The first one, it says that you're the son of an Irish-German father and a French-Canadian mother. So yeah, you grew up taking both Catholicism and drinking seriously. That is quite the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? It was a charmed childhood. <laughs> Would you like to add anything to your bio, or does that sum it all up? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Uh, perfect segue into the next thing that I really liked in this in this dossier. I got it says more boring detail for more boring details about Mike, his interests, and his other writings. You can go to michaelpfoley.info. That is like the most non-promotion promotion I've ever seen. Like, I want to go to your website now because everybody else is like, if you want to see more awesome stuff from Forte Catholic, go to fortecatholic.com. And you're just like, eh, I, I'm I'm all right. Go look at it if you want, or don't. I don't care. <laughs> That's the one thing, a good thing about drinking regularly. It makes you mellow. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that was one of my questions, because here in the book, you've got a drink for like every day of Advent, every day of the 12 days of Christmas. It's like, is this your normal life, or do you only drink this much during the holidays? <laughs> well, actually, one of the reasons why I wrote first Drinking with the Saints and Drinking with St. Nick is that my wife and I do enjoy an evening cocktail together. So we're, we're, we're drinking moderately, but we do like uh, getting together at the end of the day, having sort of an adult time just where we can swap stories about our day and debrief each other on the day's events. My wife, we have six kids, so that's, that's another reason why we're drinking. And, uh, <laughs> wow. and my wife also homeschools. So it's, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. So to have that sort of happy hour to uh, to catch up and unwind is important to us. And it was kind of out of that uh, daily pattern that the books emerged. So this book came because of your children? Yeah, in a certain way, <laughs> or uh, a, a coping mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which I think is interesting, especially like you had Drinking with the Saints, and that was just like general, like for all, all year. But this one in particular, I do think, like, you know, you mentioned that you have a drink with your wife. That's, that's awesome. That's a, a beautiful sign of marriage and, uh, and just consistency. But then also I, I was thinking like for many people, I'm not going to say yes or no for me, but, you know, for many people, uh, being home around the holidays or family or in-laws, like, you, you kind of want a drink or two or three uh, throughout the holidays. <laughs> so this is the perfect book for everyone. 
This is true. This is true. <laughs> and we, uh, we actually do have a, a couple of toasts about family stress and drinking in the book. So we, <laughs> we have your bases covered. I read some of these toasts. They're hilarious. We're going to leave that as a little, uh, little Easter egg for people. We'll get to that here pretty soon. Why am I talking about Easter eggs when we're talking about Christmas? Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this, this book uh, came out just uh, last month. Just in time for the holidays, um, you are a professor and you're also an expert mixologist. Uh, how do you become an expert mixologist? Well, that may be a little overstatement, but I can at least say <laughs> I am a well-practiced mixologist. I, have, uh, I sometimes get asked the question, have you ever you know, professionally bartended and my answer is no, that anytime I do bartend, it's, it's strictly out of love and never for money. So it's just, <laughs> it's just been a practice. Love for the people or love for the tonics? Uh, a little of both. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, Mike. Mike, I got a question for you. Sure. Are there I two questions? The first one is, are some drinks and cocktails more Catholic than others? That's the first question. Go ahead. And that is a good question. You know, um, Hilaire Belloc from the 19th century once recommended to a friend not to drink anything that was invented after the Reformation. And I think he said that, <laughs> and I, I think he said that in part because gin was tearing England apart. You know, that the gin had entered in through Holland. It was post-Reformation and uh, the lower classes kind of took to it. And it was almost like the, the crack cocaine of the 18th century. So I think maybe that was part of Belloc's animus. But I do think all of the hard liquors directly or indirectly have a Catholic derivation. Wine and beer probably have the greatest claim to some kind of Catholic association. And I will say, as, as much as I personally love the cocktail, it is a uniquely American invention especially when America's culture was largely Protestant. So the cocktail was probably the last thing to be added to a, a Catholic list. It, it probably has more of a Protestant pedigree than a Catholic one. Okay, so my follow-up question is, where do apple cider margaritas land on Catholics <laughs> and non-Catholics? Oh, that's uh, that's heresy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I say that because I had a, a Friendsgiving right before Thanksgiving, and that's what I brought to the party were apple cider margaritas. Now I have to go and repent. No, well, that that sounds actually that does sound pretty interesting. I, I think I'm I would like to try that. Where I get a little, uh, how shall I say, strict, is when people start doing things like apple teenies. I give it's okay. either an, it's an apple drink or it's a martini, but it's not both. So okay. you just can't have it both ways. That's, that's too Jesuitical for my taste. Oh, <laughs> we're just getting rid of all the Protestants. We're throwing shade at the Jesuits. This is just that's a right. great interview we've got going on here. <laughs> I think anything with the word teeny in it should just be thrown away. Like that's just a, a non-strong word. That's right. <laughs> I'm also a... I have a few follow-ups. Like it was just fascinating watching the two of you just just converse for a little while because I was just like, it seemed like Father Anthony threw you off with that question, Michael. And, oh and yeah, like, yeah. You, you were like, oh, that's a difficult question. The first words you said were Hilaire Belloc. Like, where you just pulled that out of nowhere? Okay. Like that was so <laughs> impressive. You're like, yeah. oh, I, I just, was I just you crushed that. Yeah, whoa, it's whoa, like, look at this guy. He knows his stuff. 
He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just feigning that I don't know what's going on. I'm com- in complete control of this situation because I'm Michael P. Foley. Okay. I, I also thought it was interesting. The first thing you said, like, don't drink anything after the Reformation. The first thing I thought was almond milk. It's like almonds don't even make milk. Like, that should not be a thing that we're drinking uh, because it came out after the Reformation. We should go back to drinking from cows. Uh, also, you know, that, that actually is probably a good rule of thumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> drinking from cows or not drinking anything after the Reformation? Not even drinking non-alcoholic things that were invented after the Reformation. <laughs> yeah. Good thing water was invented a long time ago. <laughs> Otherwise, right. that would be terrible advice. Uh, I'm all, you also made me very glad to be an American because I, I'm a cocktail fan, and I'm very glad that that's an American thing. That makes me um, feel uh, indebted to my country even more. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, what made you want to write this book? Like, other than the fact that you drink every day with your wife, like, what made you want to write this book? And what's the connection? How is it going to help us prepare for the holiday season? Well, I gave you one half of the equation, which is the daily happy hour with my wife. But the other half is our shared love of the liturgical year. We really love observing the feast days of the year with our family, bringing our kids up in a, in a cycle of festivity. And so the idea was to bring the church calendar together with good bartending. And there are dozens of Catholic cookbooks out there in the market, and they're all very good. They pair food suggestions with different feast days, but there was basically no Catholic bartender's guide. So we did that for the entire year with Drinking with the Saints, and we're very happy to provide that now with Drinking with St. Nick which provides drinks for every day of the Advent and Christmas seasons. So as, as you walk through this, you have all of these different cocktails and recipes, and there's some explanation of, of the Catholic connection. What is like your favorite two drinks that you, that you came across, that you, ch- that you made, that you tasted throughout your entire preparation writing this book? Oh, there are a couple. Um, here in Waco, we've got Balcones Distillery. They make these fantastic whiskeys. They're only about 15 years old, but they're amazing. And they provided three original cocktail recipes for the book. So I would recommend any of those. But perhaps my personal favorite is the one for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, the White Lady. This is an old recipe from the 50s. And it was a friend, a priest friend, who actually recommended it. And at first, I wasn't too enthusiastic about it because it's, it's a little high maintenance. You have to actually beat egg white for about five minutes before you actually put it into the cocktail shaker. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to wait five minutes. Yeah, I just want for to be real. able to <laughs> shake 40 times and I'm good to go. Um, but I gave it a shot and, oh my goodness, is it worth the effort. It's a phenomenal drink. Well, one day I'll drive up to Waco and, and you can make that drink for me because I'm not going to, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to go through all that work. <laughs> well, if you're ever desperate to impress someone, the white lady is the one to pick. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll sacrifice five minutes for my wife and I'll, and I'll make that drink for her. <laughs> Maybe, just Aww. maybe in the spirit of Christmas, I'll dedicate five minutes in one day to my, to uh, making my wife happy. There you go. <laughs> We, we've got uh, uh, six and a half minutes left, but I already feel like this is a success. It's making me a better husband already. Uh, just, get, just give her egg whites and liquor. She'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so uh, we talked about the drinks. What as as you studied this, obviously we have the drinks and we have these uh, this long tradition of of Catholics making drinks and drinking. Uh, what was something that stuck out to you about the celebration of Christmas in connection to these drinks um, as you were preparing to write this book? I guess the big surprise, I mean, maybe it shouldn't have been a big surprise after all, is just how much better our ancestors celebrated Advent and Christmas. That today, you know, it's been sort of uh, changed by secularism and consumerism and so forth. We often have the raucous office parties during Advent. And so by the time we get to Christmas, we're, we're practically spent. Whereas there is more restraint in the traditional observance of Christmas. And then when Christmas came, there were 12 uninterrupted days of merriment between Christmas Day and the Feast of the Epiphany on January 6th. And so you would just have this incredible moment of festivity. Courts were shut down, shops were shut down. Everyone made sure they had all the firewood chopped before December 24th. All the food was prepared. Uh, it was so you just had this wonderful block of, uh, of festivity. And I think that was the better way to do it. It's interesting because I was just, you said 12 days of merriment and I, I yes. thought of, uh, I was actually looking at how long we've been doing this show. And if you listened from minute one of episode one of the show until now, it'd be about 12 days of merriment, uh, that, that you would be oh. listening. We've got about 12 yeah, days yeah. of audio. Um, but in the times in the beginning where it's not as merry, just drink one of the drinks from Michael Foley's book and, and you'll, you'll think it's more merry than it actually was. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> hey, Mike, I want to thank you because I'm meeting with my spiritual director later this week. And when he asked me, Father Anthony, what are you going to do this Advent? I'm going <laughs> to slam down your book and say, I've got the perfect plan for every day. <laughs> so thank you for that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, uh, I have a Facebook page, the Drinking with the Saints Facebook page. And later this week, one of the things I am going to put out is trying to promote a more old-fashioned Advent and an old-fashioned Christmas. I'm going to invite other people to try to get all their work done during Advent, to do some extra preparation spiritually for Christmas, and then to really try to set those 12 days off for just family, friends, and love. Very good. That sounds fantastic. Uh, I, so how can people go to that Facebook page? What's the name of that? Uh, it's simply Drinking with the Saints. So there's a there's a website drinkingwiththesaints.com, and then there's also the Drinking with the Saints Facebook page. That's way too easy. We're we're uh, getting to the end of our time here, and there's one last question I have for you uh, before we get to that Easter egg we talked about earlier of these these just amazing toasts you have. So you said that some of the saints in, that saints inspired some of these drinks. So that, you're telling me that there's a saint up in heaven that like invented a drink or was like the inspiration behind a drink? That's fascinating. Well. The- Sometimes that is the case. The Catholic Church has had religious orders that have invented amazing uh, beverages. The Carthusians invented chartreuse liqueur. The Trappists are still famous for producing the world's finest beer. So there are all sorts of historic connections between good alcohol and good spirituality. But um, you can you can get inspiration to have a drink from a saint in other ways as well. Sometimes just their symbol in Christian art can be enough to make you think of a particular beverage that you can toast to their honor. So 
it doesn't always have to be a, a strict historical kind of association. All right. So you, you brought up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have a like one feast day or one day you had a tough time figuring out a drink for? Yes, a couple of times that's true. And what I did for drinking with St. Nick, since we already had the Facebook page and we had followers on it, I actually asked for other people's opinions and I got some really good feedback. It turns out there are a lot of eager collaborators when it comes to making a drinking <laughs> book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, all right. So we've got to get to these toasts. You've got, I read some of these, they're hilarious and there's some serious ones too. Um, so why don't you just give us a snapshot of some of these toasts that people can find in your book? Well, a lot of the toasts, and I wasn't trying to be cheeky or anything, but a lot of the toasts are actually based on the, uh, the collect of the, of the day, the, you know, the opening prayer for the, the feast, because a toast is a lot like a prayer. You introduce something, you, you describe it, and then you have a sort of an invocation or an aspiration at the end. And that's actually kind of the structure of our, our collects that we use in the missile. So, uh, so you, can, you can do that, I think, in a sort of a, a reverent way, but there are other ways to do it as well. So, for example, I think my favorite one in the book is, is it December 2nd, is the Feast of St. Bibiana, who happens to be the patron saint of hangovers. <laughs> and so for her feast day, the toast is, through the intercession of St. Bibiana, may we, we never need the intercession of St. Bibiana. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's so tremendous. All right. So for great drinks, for toasts just like that, the list goes on and on of the fantastic drinks you can make and all of these great toasts. Uh, go check out Drinking with St. Nick, C Christmas Cocktails for Sinners and Saints by Michael Foley. Michael, thanks so much for your time today, man. My pleasure. Great to be on. All right. Have a great Advent season, guys. We will be right back for our final segment of the show for today. We're going to be talking about Christian unity and me going to the adult version of a children's museum. It's fascinating. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Forte Catholic in our final segment of the day. We want to thank Michael Foley for coming on, telling us how to drink these holidays. There's nothing better than Catholicism, Christmas, and a few drinks coming together. It's great. Yeah. We're actually talking about coming together in this uh, in this year's segment, and I didn't even mean to do that. I'm accidentally good at my job. We're going to be talking about unity, but before that... I want to tell you two things. This all comes from this conference that I went to in St. Louis. And uh, Father Anthony, you listened last week. You heard the, some of the people heard last week's show. I started talking about everything that happened in St. Louis, but it was so much packed into four days that I wanted to take uh, two weeks on the show to talk about it. Is that okay with you? Uh, hey, it's your show. Go for it. Nothing feels better than those words, other than you laughing at my jokes earlier. That made me feel pretty hey, good, too. I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so... There's this thing. Have you ever been to St. Louis? I have never been to St. Louis. There's this thing in St. Louis called the City Museum. And like when I say the City Museum in St. Louis, what do you think that museum would be like? Oh, it's got like paintings and statues and stuff, you know, like a museum. 
you just described a museum. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I don't know. So like I had never heard something called a city museum. So I thought it was going to be a museum like about St. Louis. That's what I envisioned. Uh, that also makes sense. Yes, yeah. 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 So like, that's what I thought it was going to be because like, I've heard of like a children's museum or an art museum. Like I hear city museum and I think it's about the city. It's like, this is how the arch was built and that sort of thing. It was okay. not that it essentially was a children's museum, but for adults. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. Go on. Yes. Okay. So I shared some like photos and videos of it when we were there, but it was like a week ago. So I'm just going to explain it. So <laughs> there's a five story section of this building. This building is massive, dude, massive five stories of this like jungle gym slash cave structure. So have you ever been to like a natural cavern or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like half of this five story building is like the natural caves, but they're man made. That's cool. So you're, you're walking through, and like literally, at, like, I'm a large fellow. Like, I had to like get on my, like, not my hands and knees, like, literally, like, lay prostrate and like shimmy through some of these areas. <laughs> and, and then that section kind of ends and it becomes like rope courses, like an obstacle course. So you have to like like run up with each other and you have to like work together. Like we had to work together. Like uh, I felt like one of the Ninja Warrior guys for just half a moment. Um, I like, you know how like at the end they have to like run up that like straight wall and like grab on. So it was, oh, right. yeah, that girl, yeah. It, it was like that, but for chubby people, like it wasn't as tall. <laughs> so I like I, I went up and I ran up and did that. And then like I reached down and like put out my hand. It's like, follow me, okay, I'll bring you up and like pulled somebody up. <laughs> like, don't worry, I got you guys. I've been doing CrossFit. Exactly, exactly. So it was it was actually ex producer Sam uh that I that I helped pull up, but uh we don't we don't speak her name anymore. Um R.I.P. So oh. Oh, we, we miss One her single tear. Yeah. Down there. We're still friends. I still help her up in city museums. That's, 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 that's what <laughs> that's we good. do. So that's Christian charity. It, it, I don't know if that's not it. I don't know what is. Um, so uh, then the other five stories of this building, wait, what the other five stories, you didn't even tell me about that, Taylor. Thank you, father. Anthony. that was great. So the, <laughs> the other five stories is just like spiral staircases. It, it feels like you're in like this old castle there, mm-hmm. There's a huge organ playing, like massive organ, and it is so loud. It's like 18 times louder than the intro to this show, like blaring, blaring. So you get to the top of this of these stairs, which is exhausting, by the way. Like I haven't done enough enough CrossFit to like crawl up five five stories all of this, cave. <laughs> all of this sounds like way too much work, man. Oh, but here's the deal: I haven't told you about the about what we were working towards okay? Oh, okay so you walk up five more five stories of like stairs like that part wasn't fun the first five stories of the caves like that was a blast you walk up these stairs the only thing that makes it cool is this organ just blaring at you which was fun but then you know i was over it like two two floors up and then the last three it's like <laughs> but what we were cr- crawling to is a 10 story slide Oh man. It was so cool, dude. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so like I don't I don't know how I, I think it was like over a minute that it took me to get down this slide. It's like a spiral <laughs> slide and it goes down. And like I was wearing jeans that don't slide well, so I got a really good like hamstring workout out of it. I was having to like push myself down with like the heels of my feet, you know? It's like wee <laughs> you know. Um, so it was a lot of fun. We felt like little kids. Uh, it, it reminded me of that time that Jesus was like, you know, be more like children. I was like, 
got it, Jesus. I can do that. Nice. Uh, and then we went to the St. Louis airport and there was something that I noticed as we were flying out in the bottom floor, like where you get your, um, like where you get your baggage and that, all that kind of stuff. Um, they had these things called free speech booths. Okay. Give me your initial reaction to what a free speech booth is. It kind of implies that there's no free speech allowed anywhere else. <laughs> right. Just- right. Untrue, like very untrue. <laughs> so I'm confused at what the purpose of having a booth is. I I was definitely definitely confused because I was like, wait, I can't speak freely over here. Like it's not a free country. But you never know with TSA. Like they take away so many other of our liberties. It's like, true. They <laughs> took away your free speech too. <laughs> yes. they have to go through the metal detector. They took to away see if it's bad. No right to bear arms. Now they're taking our speech. And pretty soon I won't be able to pray in the airports. Jesus. Oh Louise. my goodness. <laughs> Wishing you were back in Texas, where America is still America. <laughs> well, we still can't bring guns to the to the airport here. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean that's kind of an important thing. <laughs> so, I had all of the questions because there was an empty free speech booth. I was like, do I just walk over here and like just yell my opinions? Like that's what my radio show is. I don't need this booth. All right, yeah. So. As we're walking, I, I make the initial jokes on the Instagrams, and then I, I walk up and I see a free speech booth, and I go, "Oh boy!" I start filming these two elderly men that were at the free speech booth, and I was like, "Guys, you have to help me! Like, what is a free speech booth?" They said, "Come here, and we'll show you." And then for the next five minutes, they just talked to me about their like Eastern religion books and how I was like trapped in in a society where my mind was locked, and that Eastern religion would like unlock my brain. Ooh, sounds fancy. That's what a free speech booth is. Did, did you convert? I did not convert. This is not Forte Eastern Religion Radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's still for together. They were actually pretty annoying. They were like, uh, like not like the religion stuff wasn't annoying. It was their salesmanship that was kind of annoying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, he was like, here, take this book, check it out. And I was reading. It was like about Krishna or something, you know. And yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't need it. And I, did, I, we had to go. I didn't feel like getting in an argument and be like, hello, I'm a Catholic and I'm going to school you. It's like, no, I have a flight in 18 minutes. Like, we got to go. Right, right. Um, so uh, he was like, well, just take the book. And I was like, no, man, I don't <laughs> want to take your book. Like, I'm not going to read it. Let somebody that hey, wants man. it have it. Hey, man, it's a free speech booth, not a forced speech booth. Get out of <laughs> That's a good joke. I didn't think of that one. Um, so he gives me the book. And I'm like, I don't want it. And he goes, no, please take it. Like, it'll be good. Like, he starts doing, like, ministry. Like, I think he's, like, doing, like, his version of ministry. Like, no, nah, dude, like, I really need you to read this. And I, like, I start walking away. He's like, but we do take donations. <laughs> I was like, for the really? books. And I was yeah. like, I was like, no, nah, dude, like, I don't want your book. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you can have it. And I was like, but you just said there's donations. Like, no, nah, it's fine. Go take it. And then I, I'm walking away with this Krishna book. And he's like, that'll be 10 bucks. I'm like, what? Really? I'm so confused. I was so confused. Um, yeah, that so- only confuses the free speech booth. Now, when I think of like a free speech booth as well, like I feel like the only people who are going up to the, those booths or manning those booths, they're kind of looking for a fight, right? Yeah. Like you're going up there like, hey, I got something to say and I want to talk to you about it. Here's my <laughs> booth. I feel like there's a confrontational aspect about that. Like why can't you just like talk wherever? I don't know. So yeah, exactly. So I start I started thinking along the same lines, like I'm gonna be ridiculous. Like I'm gonna go to the other free speech booth and just start yelling things like vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate, you know? Like yes. just, just yeah, yeah. like <laughs> and then they were like, I was like, How did you like did y'all just like show up? And they were like, This is the best part, dude. 
They said, no, you have to go check in with those agents over there and tell them what they're going to talk about and they'll approve it. I'm like, this is not a free speech <laughs> booth. Like, this, is, this whole thing is a lie and a sham. Oh, man, it was ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So the next thing in the airport, these are all just airport stories, dude. Um, there was a place called Sweet Indulgences. Mm-hmm. And so I started taking a video and I was like, this is just a terrible form of clericalism. Like, how dare there still be a place that's selling indulgences anymore? <laughs> like, making an obvious joke, right? Right, yeah. And then I post this on my Instagram story, and somebody replies saying, like, why are you being so mean to that priest? What, like, did you talk to him? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, and like in the video, there's a man buying candy at Sweet Indulgences because that's what it is. It's a candy shop. Mm-hmm. And they thought that that man was a priest. And like I was yelling at him for selling indulgences. It's like, no, <laughs> well, OK, OK. In their defense, that's not something you wouldn't do, though. Right. <laughs> like, Father Jared is there just buying some snacks. You would totally make fun of him loudly at the airport. I would. But so, that's... I'm defend whoever didn't get that joke and didn't trust you. But that, that makes sense to me. That's kind of the point, though, is that I would do it to follow Jared, not some random dude in an airport. <laughs> like pe- people who know me well, which is apparently not you, know that I don't talk. To, <laughs> I don't talk to people in airports unless they're at a free speech booth. <laughs> I specifically don't talk to anyone. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. So uh, we're going to talk about unity now. What a transition. Okay, so <laughs> at this conference. Um, this lady comes out because it's multiple denominations. Like it goes from, you know, there's, there's a contingency of Catholics, Baptists, non-denoms. Um, I, I even, like one year at this conference, I got to sit down with some Mennonites and I was just like, man, like how is Robin Hood? And they said, that's men in tights. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that was, I thought, I thought that was very different. So <laughs> wait, you want to boo or do you want to hear this? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh we're at this conference and she's talking to this group of people from literally I, I would I would dare to say most of the mainline Christian denominations, right? So talking about unity in that context uh would would be a a pretty daunting task, I would imagine. So Yeah, no doubt. It was interesting where she went, and it was the story of Barnabas um, in Acts of the Apostles. And Acts of the Apostles, like it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing. Acts of the Acts of the Apostles is one of my favorite books, but yet I I did not know this part of the story. She brought out some really interesting things. So, um, Barnabas, do you know what that name means? I did not, so you won't look bad if uh, if you don't. That's something to do with father. Uh, Abba, right? That's 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 kind of what yeah. I thought too. Um, it's like encourager, right? Yeah. Uh, like I think it's like encourager of the brethren or something like that. But the main the main word in there is encourager, mm-hmm. and he, that was not his name. He literally got that name because he was so encouraging. Like wow. <laughs> I forget what his that. other name was, but they were just like, oh yeah, that guy's that guy's the encourager. Like that's his job, and like that's imagine, just imagine if we still did that. Your name would be the bad joke maker. The bad be joke your maker. Name that you would have. Uh, Okaeus priest. Have you talked to Okaeus exactly. priest? Uh, oh man, I wish I could remember that quote you had earlier. Oh man, I would totally throw it in your face right now, but I'm not smart enough. So, um, Barnabas was the encourager, and here's the deal: he was sent to the church, the same church where Paul had Stephen killed. 
You've heard this story, right? <laughs> like Paul was yes, there. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would hope so, right? Um, Paul, has, as he has a great turnaround, things you know get better for him. Yeah, they don't change his name, but everybody thinks they did. Go look it up. Uh, um, yeah. So <clears throat> Paul was there when the first martyr was killed. I, I always that always kind of bothered me. Wasn't Jesus the first martyr? Anyway, that's not the point. Um, first, maybe second martyr, Stephen, and okay. Barnabas and Paul are partners in this ministry, and they go. Or like Paul can't go to this church because the last time he was there, he killed their leader. Like that's not a good place that you should go, even though you've had this conversion. Paul gets sent to this church and vouched for Paul. Like that was his job. It's like, hey guys, like I know that Paul killed like your deacon, but he's cool now. <laughs> he's not doing any more murders. I promise. <laughs> no more murders. <laughs> so Barnabas is is at this church for a year encouraging these people, vouching for Paul. Eventually, like, he he changes their mind. And, like, Paul goes there, and he's able to do ministry there. And it's like, geez, Louise, I am not that encouraging. <laughs> Fair. I don't think I am either. Yeah. So, like, I don't think I'm encouraging enough. So there was a lot of – one of the big things that she brought out was that, like, Bar- we're going to keep going through Barnabas' story and how his encouragement and, like – vouching for other people is what helped bring about unity in the in this in this church in the in the times of the early church. So uh, obviously there was like a huge <laughs> riff there because he killed their dude. Um yeah. but he ended up vouching for him. So um the the lady who was given the session, Joe Sexton, uh she said uh, she asked two big questions. Um, one, are you able to celebrate was ge- what God is doing even when you're not involved? <laughs> so I was thinking about like Paul, like being not in that city, right? It's mm-hmm. like, he is rooting for Barnabas and it's like, wow, like, I don't think I'm very good at that. Like that's, that's something I definitely need to work on. I I'm very good at celebrating when I get nominated for podcasts, but like when other people is like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see their success. I want to be the success. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah. so I th- I think uh, we all have a little bit of that selfishness, but I'm uh, I may be like Paul chief among sinners in that category. <laughs> um, so one of the other things about unity in this section and like how Barnabas's encouragement um, really worked in his favor and the church's favor is that like, Paul and Barnabas end up having this split. Like they, they, they go separate ways because they were going on one of their uh, like missionary trips and John Mark was supposed to come with them. And he, and like he, he cuts out, like he can't do it. Like he's for whatever reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to go on another trip and Barnabas is like, Hey, we should bring John Mark this time. And Paul's like, nah, like I don't trust that guy. Like he, he bailed on us last time. I'm not going to do it. And Barnabas was like, no, like he's a good dude. We still have to do this. Uh, and they riffed about it. Like they, they literally like broke off their partnership because of that. And I was like, wow, like even people in the early church, like two of the best leaders in the early church had this conflict and were not fully united. Right. Yeah. Um, and over the course of time, like Barnabas continued to stand up for John Mark and so much so that at the end of Paul's life, when he's writing one of his other letters, he is like begging John Mark to come to come be with him. Like he's like, I want to be reunited with you before before I leave. Um, like this is the guy that he literally like split with like one of his best friends and his best workers over, and he wants he wants to bring him back. And I was like, man, that is so like 
encouraging to me, like uplifting to me and like a challenge for me uh, to be more encouraging. Sure. Absolutely. So I want to encourage you because you're awesome and I love you and people love you. Is it working? Are you good yet? Oh man, I feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like helping bring about some unity right now. All right. Let's, let's, let's do it. Oh man, we're out of time. No unity today, but maybe tomorrow. Oh. I'm just kidding. Hey, thanks so much for coming on today. You're a good person. All right, guys. Hey, so are you, Taylor. We will be right, right back next week. We won't be right back. We're coming back next week. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Say it. Hello, friends. You made it to the end of the podcast. Congratulations. Now, here's the real deal. If you listened all this way, it means that you liked it in some capacity. Here's what I need you to do. Take 30 seconds before you listen to the next episode. Search in your iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Search for Forte Catholic. Go give it a review. It'll take you 30 seconds and will help me out a lot. And it'll help you help others make Catholicism fun again, which is essentially like evangelizing. So you're off the hook for that today. If you give me a review, go do it. Otherwise, I will be sad. Oh, have a good week.